Hello, welcome to I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. My name is Chip Chantry. Ken, it's good to be back, buddy. Summer break is over. Yeah, your summer break is over. Some of us I, kept you, going, you, churning you've out been three episodes. You've been working it, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, it's it's a uh, it's good to be back home, buddy. Uh, not only are we back, but like we got the whole band back together. Why, why yeah, don't you have... introduce our first guest? I'll introduce our second. What's that? Introduce our first guest. Uh, well, he is second. the third Beatle. <laughs> I don't like to. We, I don't think we consider him a guest anymore. Uh, he is friend of show, uh, co-host uh, emeritus. Maybe we, we say that if I if I can use my Latin. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly or not. Uh, but Kieran Turner is here, uh, the director of one of our favorite uh, rock documentaries. How we we met him, uh, Jobriath AD. Uh, and, he, and, he's, and he's here again. Kieran, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. I missed you guys. It's been a, a, a long, hot summer, and mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to be back and uh, talking about what we're going to be talking about. Yep. Yes. Which we'll talk about in a moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are t- – I'm going to introduce the topic and then our next guest. Um, today – we are looking at uh, like famous songs that are creepy as fuck. I don't even know how you put it. Like, what do you like? Like sex predator songs, right? Yeah. There, there's just there's a lot of creepy songs out there that people have been singing along to, and they don't even know. I think what some of and, it. And I guess we should come out right off the bat and say that we're against it. Right, I, I think I Against, think we're allowed. Oh yeah, to say yeah, that. yeah. No, no, no. I, 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 we're, we are taking the the anti side, the nay side, if you will. Yeah, so, we are uh, yeah. we are anti uh, being a sex predator. Yes, yes. Okay, good. In every like down the board, like straight down the line, ten right. out of ten times, I'm yeah. always gonna pass. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, but to 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 that end, our uh, our second guest today is um, uh, somebody I've known since I'm 15 years old. Um, uh, My girlfriend, Nick, is on the show. Hey. What's going on? Um, That was the strangest introduction I've ever had. You know, I was like, I was going to build it up, but then I was like, they don't know who you are. They don't even know who I am. Ken was like, I've known her since I was 15. She was 37 at the time. Oh, no. Okay. You know, so we were both 15. In keeping with today's topic. I know. He was like, I was 15. She was a toddler with her mom. It was was nine (laughs) weeks ago that we met. Nine and a half weeks ago. Um, if yes. she would have been 17, it would have been just perfect for this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the reason we're having Nick on today is she is a lawyer who specializes in criminal defense and has probably – you've probably seen your share of sex predators. Absolutely. But in, yeah. I'm like in court, not just in life. In life, um, yeah, typically. No, I, I've seen a lot over the years. I've been doing it for 18 years. Um, it's a strange thing to ask to talk about on a podcast, but um, I have to say I'm, I'm a fan of the show. Um, I was a huge fan of the documentary, Joe Bryth, so it's nice well, meeting you. you. Um, it was definitely uh, so. It's a little surreal for me to be sitting here with the guy that I met in the library when I was fifteen <laughs> to be talking about predatory um, songs. Um, but here I am. Here you are. There. So and and thank you for thank you for coming on. Um, Before we get started, I just want to say something. Um, I am gonna kind of without at all advocating predatory sexual behavior, I'm gonna kind of be defending some of these songs. I- I'm in. I'm ready. Yeah, all I right. love it. Yes. Yeah. Right. That's um, great. But that, that have absolutely no defense. But <laughs> you know, I was doing a sort of doing a deep dive yesterday and just thinking about the time and such and you know, you know, I love to over prepare for these things. Sure. Um, and there are a couple songs too where the the protagonist, if you want to call it that, in the 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 narrator of the story is anti as well. Uh, yes, there you know, are. Yeah. Hey, uh, 
it the song isn't called Stand So Close to Me. Right. <laughs> That's an interesting it's... one. Actually, that uh, uh, Don't Stand So Close to Me is definitely worth discussing. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. Because I, I think what Sting did was like just putting it in someone else's voice mm-hmm. uh, sort of makes it more of a gray area. Right. Like he's not and, – and it's and it's weird because the song is about a, a teacher um, who's trying to resist uh, one of his students. Uh, but it's weird because Sting was a teacher. So you, right. do, you do wonder what the inspiration was. He, he claims it was the book Lolita, which he even mm-hmm. references. Right. Yeah, in the, in the lyrics, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, these songs, you know, kind of really started at the beginning of rock and roll. I mean, most girls, you know, since rock and roll, you know, began, were spoken about as young teen girls, 15, 16 years old. You know, there's Happy Birthday, Sweet 16. You know, there's uh, there's Your 16, which was Johnny Burnett, but was also remade or, or covered, I should say, by Ringo Starr in the 70s and was a gigantic hit. Um, you know, for me, you listen to those songs and they they just sound so innocent and I feel like you have to not necessarily look at who the singer was, but who the audience was. You know, these these songs were marketed towards all teenagers. Right. You know, and so I, the way that I've always kind of heard these songs was I've always kind of looked at the singer as not being themselves, but as sort of putting themselves in the place of another 16 year old or another 17 year old. Of course, that's not always the case right. as we right. see. But, you know, I, I when I was looking at, at all of these, you know, scandalous articles, you know, from Buzzfeed and what have you, and it's like, oh, these songs are problematic. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, I mean, it was 1959. This is not problematic. Um, there were plenty of other problematic things going on in 1959, but um, you know, I don't know. I but just that is don't... true because of the audience. Like, first of all, again, case by case, you have to go. How, was yeah. the singer 17 years old or whatever? And then also, is he playing third party? And because if it's teenage boys listening to this, then it's teenage right. girls. That yeah. Or right. is he exactly. just singing like from the point of view of a teenage of a teenage yeah so i actually agree with kieran i do think that some of these songs are um uh you you know you're looking back at with today's lens so like you know even like chuck berry's name kept coming up and by the way like i get chuck berry wasn't exactly like uh you know an example of of a great uh person you know, right. I, I get he he did he 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 did some shady shit with underage girls, but yeah. anytime I heard those songs, yeah, it was never like, oh, this is like an old guy. You know, like like Sweet Sixteen always just felt like a teen a song about teenagers. Yeah, you guys would be great as jurors because you are all just explaining away bad behavior and you would make my job so easy. I love this. I mean, but then I was thinking about like Sweet 16. Like, oh, so you said Ringo had a massive hit with it. You know, the lyrics, she's 16, she's beautiful, and she's mine. Right. Um, But he was 30 when he put that song out. So it's even, and listen, I'm in no way am I saying Ringo's uh, pedophile. He's, he's... Even when you listen to that though, it it sounds tongue in cheek the way yeah. he's doing it. Like it's a lounge yeah. version. It's, she's 16, yeah. she's, you know, it's, it's I, like I always read the whole thing, it's silly. Yeah. I yeah, know. I mean, I always, I you know, I mean, listening to those songs, I mean, some of those songs were, were certainly before my time, but you know, I remember you're 16 as a very, very, very little boy, um, you know, on the radio and, um, you know, and, and other kinds of songs. And, you know, I just would always like picture, you know, what are they going to get? I mean, you know, happy birthday, sweet 16, you know, uh, to me, it's like whoever was singing, 
seemed to me like was also probably underage and also probably a virgin. And the most he's going to get off of her or even looking to get off of her is a kiss, you know, maybe a hand job if she hates her parents enough, you know, um, but, you know, something, but it just, it seemed more innocent to me. I feel like it didn't really get, but you're right about Chuck Berry. I mean, you know, that if you really analyze it, but even back then, I don't know that anybody was thinking because nobody really kind of knew about Chuck Berry. I mean, it wasn't public knowledge. Sure, you can look at that kind of stuff in, in today's lens, um, but I, I think you really do need to look at it, um, you know, on a case by case basis. Um, we'll get to the worst stuff soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are some songs though where it's it's they are very clearly being sung from uh the point of view of an mm -hmm. older dude trying yes. to get a teenage girl. Well, yeah. I think you also have to consider there's been a huge shift in culture where people are acknowledging it's not okay to be a pedophile anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, you know, the heyday of the white male who liked, you know, the the young girl, Mick Jagger, you know, those days are not OK anymore. So now we're looking back at these songs and saying, you know, are they OK? But um, it's, you know, you guys have to get adjusted to it. <laughs> yeah. um, Mick Jagger was... Uh... That that's somebody worth bringing up with with some of these songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many songs does he sing where he's talking about like how hot this young little girl is? Uh, yeah. Um, well, Brown Sugar uh, yep. is probably one of the. I yeah. mean, it's a great fucking song, but it's lyrically, it's. Uh, I, I think they would have a tough go with it today mm -hmm. yeah I, but i also think that unless the age is specifically mentioned there are a lot of songs that you have to look at how women were referred to back then and treated women were rarely called women they were called girls yeah they were always sort of put in that younger more subservient kind of role especially in rock songs they were objectified but they were never really looked at as you know full-blooded adult people even if they were even if they weren't specifically singing about somebody who was underage they were marginalizing them. yeah yeah still referred to as little girl even if you're talking yeah. to a contemporary yeah exactly, um, exactly. Uh, the stones. And for me, are... that's more problematic than than the age thing because it's more pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you can. I. I. I don't know if I don't know what side of that I'm on yet. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there's some where it's just very blatant, like the Stones, and and it's a great song off a of Beggar's Banquet. But the Stones have a song called Stray Cat Blues. And mm -hmm. the entire song is about having sex with uh, a pair of 15-year-old girls. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he, he sings the lyric, I can see you're 15 years old, but I don't want your ID. Yeah. yeah. And then later in the song, a friend joins in. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, and that wasn't that wasn't a single, so it wasn't something that was sort of like put out, you know, to the public. Whereas something like I found a song that I, you know, knew of called "Vehicle" by the Ides of March. Are you guys familiar with that song? No. Yeah, I think I do. I don't. It know was that. a it was a big Wait, song in the early seventies. They, they sound like a, kind of like Chicago, right? Do they kind of have like a Horn section? Is yeah, that... yeah, they, they yes. do have a horn they, section. They and it, they were a one-hit wonder band. And the lyric goes, hey, well, I'm the friendly stranger in the black sedan. Won't you hop inside my car? I got pictures, got candy. I'm a lovable man. I'd like to take you to the nearest star. Okay, so I've known that song since I was a little kid, and I yeah. never heard those lyrics. Yeah. That's wild. And what kind of like is so bizarre is you've definitely heard that, this song, Ken. Like it's it was a it was I, uh, a yeah I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. sure I did. Yeah, and it was also it also sort of came back thirty years later because in one of the earlier seasons of American Idol, 
uh, Bo Bice, who was uh, the runner up, I believe, of the fourth season, that was like his big song. I mean, that was the song that he kind of got famous for singing and they released it as a single. Um, and it was a hit for him. Um, so that kind of surprises me that, you know, in, that they would bring that back. That, yeah, that people would, would cover it. it. Right. Yeah. Like I wanted yeah. to like I, I think about that, like like a 30 year old Ringo and somebody like, you know what song you should do? Yeah. Sweet 16. And you'd be yeah. like, oh, the one about. Uh, OK. You know, like it's 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 a weird um it's a weird subject to be like, yeah, let me like if you didn't write it, it's weird to be like, oh, I, I identify enough with that to, to cover it. I don't know. Yeah. I guess it's raising something kind of analogous in my head. Like I have a lot of I've seen a lot of cases where aspiring rappers are talking about drug deals, committing crimes. I mean, it's all part of a fantasy. Right. So you hear a lot of hip hop and rap songs um, that are, you know, it's not savory, um, but we don't judge them for that. You're not looking down on them for, you know, talking about their culture. Well, not on this episode, but well, maybe. No, but I do think culturally <laughs> people don't. And I mean, listen, I think there is a fantasy. I mean, there's a giant you know, porn following for like stepbrothers and stepsisters. I think there is somewhat of a fantasy for grown men to be with, you know, something that's taboo. I mean, listen, I'm just a defense attorney. I don't judge you if that's your thing. Um, But, you know. No, but, but Nick is right. I mean, look at the imagery. Let's forget about the lyrics for a second, but look at the imagery in videos even from the 1990s into the 2000s look at britney spears britney spears made her career dancing around as an underage girl in a catholic school girl uniform that is what made her famous in that video you know and i'm I'm not blaming her for it i'm just saying that you know i mean she likely was you know she was underage she was being told what to do um but that's what people were still selling, you know, yep. even as 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 late as 1999. And, you know, I'm sure that if you went through music videos, you could find that kind of imagery all the way through up till today. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're yeah. not saying it, you're saying it. Right. So that was pro- that was like a business decision probably yeah. arrived at by older dudes. Yeah. That were like, this is how we're going to market this underage girl. Yeah. yeah, that's what they Absolutely. did until, you know, they got me too and they were like, oh, I guess this yeah. was a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, yes. Oh, uh, I found a song. Wait, Ming, can you pull a song up for us, please? Uh, do you guys know Art Lover by The Kinks? No. No. I think this was, I don't know if it's on that playlist. It's it's called Art Lover and it's by The Kinks. Um, Kinks. One of my all-time favorite bands. Mine too. Um, Love them. So this has a very, like, soft rock calypso beat. Um, Sunday afternoon, there's something special. It's just like another world. All right, now this starts to go off the rails instantly. Jogging in the park is my excuse to look at all the little girls. <laughs> I'm not a flasher in a raincoat. I'm not a flasher in a raincoat. I'm not a dirty old I'm not man. a dirty old man. I'm not gonna snatch you from your mother. I'm an art lover. <laughs> to daddy. Um, yeah, you can listen. I'm just gonna read you the next verse. Pretty little legs. I want to draw them like a. Degas ballerina, pure white skin like porcelain. She's a work of art, and I should know I'm an art lover. Hmm. So this dude, so Ray Davies' character in this song goes to the park, uh, pretends to jog, and really is just watching Little girls. Now, he, listen, I, I do commend him. He comes out and he says, look, I'm not going to flash you. He says, I'm not going to kidnap you. 
Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and, and, and leer. Um, but I feel like that's not a good look, right? Like if you were to witness, if you, if you had a defendant on the stand and then it came out during cross-examination that they spent their Sundays at the park staring at little girls because they thought of them as like art. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be thrilled for that to get out there, would you? <clears throat> I mean, listen, it's creepy as fuck, but um, I like the fact that he put it out there that he's just an art lover. Um, I feel like he's telling you what his intention is. He's not going to flash them. He's not looking for sexual gratification. He probably already knows if I say anything sexually, I'm in trouble. So I'm just going to make some art references here and let everybody know that I like little kids because they're beautiful specimens of art. Yeah. He, he's, like, he's like a British Norman Rockwell. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's Kincaid, painter of light. <laughs> there is a song uh, around that same time by Van Morrison called Cypress Avenue mm -hmm. that ends yeah. with the lyric, nobody, no, no, nobody stops me from loving you, baby. So young and bold, 14 years old, Ooh. baby, baby, baby. Um, but I want to sort of look at, at like chicken and egg kind of stuff here for that time and right after that. You've got all of these late 60s rock and rollers who are starting to sing about young girls and wanting to have sex with them. And then you've got the um, just the whole decadence of the early to mid 70s, um, I guess the groupie scene mm -hmm. that started where you've got this gigantic you know, number of young girls who nearly all of them were underage, who were running around publicly with rock stars, and they were going after them. Now, I am not blaming them. I'm not saying, you know, oh, you know, what a bunch of sluts or anything. And I don't, and I think that if you were to talk to most of them today, they would, you know, defend their actions they would talk about how you know they felt empowered it was something that they wanted they weren't necessarily coerced into it now of course you have to also look at it from the 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 adults point of view you know just because somebody is throwing themselves in your face doesn't mean that you should be taking advantage of it right doesn't mean you should have to uh try and adopt them so you can bring yeah. them across state lines yeah, a la right, Steven right. Tyler and Ted Nugent. Yeah, Ted Nugent. But you know, you kind of wonder: did did those girls hear those lyrics and think, "Oh, that's what they're interested in, and that's what I'm, you know, am interested in being, or that's what I'm interested in finding out about," you know? Or was it the girls that were going after them, and they got to sort of understand, you know, in their minds, the pleasures of, you know, underage girls and then they started writing about it yeah see i no, i bet I, you i i would guess that it was like that like they're just writing about what they know right like you're yeah, yeah. you're on the road going from town to town you're, you're just writing about you yeah. know what you're saying um i found one today that i never knew was a creeper song mm -hmm. um my sharona yeah, that's another one where I kind of feel like the lyrics are, you know, sort of it's it's how you how, you know, they were referring to women back then, even though that's a little late in the game to be doing that. It still was being done. Um, I'm just it, it's really just one line. But, yeah. oh, it's mad creepy. Um, uh, I always get it up. For the touch of the younger kind, yeah, right. Oof. I did, and, and that's again, that's one. just like how often do we know? How often we've heard my Sharona, and you're singing it like with your even, family, not even, at ball not even games. registering those lyrics or realizing what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, the, my, my first my first exposure to my Sharona, I think, was Chipmunk Punk. Alvin Chipmunk literally <laughs> sang that song. No. Oh, my feeling is like the younger kind for them could be nineteen. 
Right. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's not explicit in the way that look at the lyric from Walk This Way. I met a cheerleader was a real young bleeder. Oh, the times I could reminisce. I mean, that's just disgusting. Yeah. In 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 every way that imaginable, you know, um, you know, that's that's just gross to me um, and and is is quite clear, you know, what they're talking about. Um, or I feel like the My Sharona lyric is, a, you know, you could definitely go, what do you mean by that? And they could say, no, you know, I, I, I like younger women, but not but legal younger women. Right. Which is um, tough to, you know, it's, it's tough because you only have so much lyric yeah. uh, space to work with. Yeah, you you can't be go you know you can't be going you know I always get it up for the touch of a younger kind meaning nineteen my 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 you know <laughs> it, it, it doesn't sing it, it's just, you know it's just it's, it's, you know they they may have only gone to like number ten had they put that in there instead of being you know a number one song you must have been um, born by this date in nineteen fifty nine nine like a cigarette ad. Like they can't just, <laughs> yeah. And then you know, and then the '80s came around, and you know, Seventeen was just like that was like the the thing. I mean, everybody from Rick James to Winger, you know, uh, were singing about seventeen-year-olds or sixteen. Sixteen, uh, Christine, sixteen by Kiss, yeah. Kiss. which yeah. I just I went on YouTube and I found them performing Christine Sixteen on Letterman like mm. in 2010. Wow. You know, which still feels yeah, that's... pretty recent. Yeah. Yeah. For and then you know, you've even got, you know, women singing about younger men in the early 80s. You've got of course the very famous which I think people definitely misinterpret Edge of 17 yeah. by Stevie Nicks. Um, now I read those lyrics. I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. There's yeah. like fucking doves yeah, and dolls yeah, and think... carpet bag purses. And I'm going <laughs> to spin around a few times. And, you know, maybe there's a, a younger guy there. Maybe he'll come today. Maybe he'll come tomorrow. But she didn't know what the fuck she was talking about. No. Um, by, and then, by the way, and I don't want to speak into that time period. I think we just need to bring it up, put it out there. Uh, the namesake of this podcast right now. Uh, yes, John I Jett. saw him dancing there by the record machine. I knew he must have been about seventeen. Yeah, but if you if you look at that song, that song was a cover. Yeah, that yes. song was yep. originally done in the in the mid seventies by a yep. band called the Arrows. Yep, yep, yep. Um, you know, which were men. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I love the way that she kind of turned that around. You know, she did that a lot. She would take songs that were sung by men and that were somewhat sexually salacious mm -hmm. and and turn them on their ear um you know she did the same thing with do you want to touch me yeah uh was originally by gary glitter and did a damn good job of both of them i heard he sang that first at a kindergarten class <laughs> <laughs> gary glitter another fine upstanding yes Wait, let me let me read a lyric. To... By, by the way, G Gary Glitter can, can he can be the only one who has a, tr a problematic lyric that just goes, "Hey," <laughs> <laughs> and it's still creepy, and still played. By the way, yeah, like getting sent to jail twice for being a pedophile yeah. isn't enough to to stop stadiums across the country from playing Gary Glitter at every yeah. single sporting event. Yeah. Well, does he, I don't think he gets the money for it. Oh, he's definitely not getting the money. No. Well, he didn't yeah. write it, so. Or did he? No, no, no. Did he no, write I, it? No, he may have written it, but I mean, I think that, that you know, like he's lost the rights to earn anything yeah. from those. Yeah. They're, they're obviously, because when, I mean, I have to tell you, when I was making, uh, when I was in post for Joe Bryant AD, the first song that we chose to illustrate glam rock, that little glam rock section was, do you want to, no, was, um, yeah, do you want to touch me? And I made sure that he was not going to get paid for it, you know, okay. like it oh. wasn't going to go to him. Um, but he still had say over whether or not he would allow us to use it. And he said no. Really? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I looked at it and I thought, okay, he's not going to get the money from it. 
this just to me just really says glam rock. I'm not advocating anything. And, you know, and the decision was kind of taken out of my hands anyway. Um, and we wound up getting a David Bowie song, wow. um, Even which better. was, you know, a hundred times better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Feels like Gary Glitter missed the boat by not calling one of his albums All That Glitters Is Not Old. And then there's Motley Crue, uh, you know, All In The Name Of. Do you know that song? No. She's only 15. She's the reason, the reason that I can't sleep. You say it's illegal. I say legal's never been my scene. (laughs) Now, there certainly is no gray area there. Okay. So this is a good one to bring you in on, Nick. You have a defendant up there that's just like, look, all of this legal stuff, it's not my bag, baby. Like, does that work? Is that a defense? Um, No. Uh, (laughs) no you know the big uh, listen statutory rape is probably the one this comes up the most because they're like i didn't know right and so many young females there is a gray area like how old are they um but yeah you can't just turn around and say i'm not down with the law and walk away it's um that's frowned upon yeah (laughs) yeah well, that's interesting. There, there's there's a song from the late '60s, and that that that's kind of about this. It's called "Young Girl." It was a big song by Gary Puckett and the Union Cap. Yeah. And here it goes. With all the charms of a woman, you've kept the secret of your youth. You led me to believe you're old enough to give me love, and now it hurts to know the truth. Yeah. Those lyrics were actually from his deposition. Which I think <laughs> <laughs> At least he's expressing some kind of remorse, yeah. though, right? Like he's yeah. like, oh, st- state of New York v. Puckett. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no. By mean, the way, another in- great so- like my my dad had the Gary Puckett and Union Gap eight tracks. Loved Gary Puckett and the Union. Like that was played in my house and in our car many many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and just to think about what it actually is about is is crazy um wait i want to read this i want to read this verse from uh christine 16 by kiss uh i don't usually say things like this to girls your age and then in parentheses christine 16 like they're like they're letting you know in case you forgot we're talking about a 16 year old right yeah but when i saw you coming out of the school that day that day, I knew I knew I've got to have you, Christine 16. Yeah. So now, but I'm also like just picturing Gene Simmons in full makeup, like in a, <laughs> like in a, like in a sedan, you know, like just waiting by the bus stop. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, and then they're stuck with Gene Simmons, who, you know, I mean, even out of makeup is worse than in makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean those poor girls you know it's 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 bad enough that they're being taken advantage of but in the 70s the majority of rock stars certainly were not pin up good looking no 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 no. yeah yeah Um, pre pre mtv yeah yeah so you're you're kind of getting taken advantage of and then you know not just even suffering even more Mm -hmm. um yeah there's also a song that has been very misunderstood. It was a big hit in the late 60s by Gilbert O'Sullivan, um, who's m- best known for Alone Again Naturally. Mm-hmm. And oh, the Beatles Portal. covered that, didn't they? I don't know. I, if, no, I think you're thinking of Act Naturally. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Or did, uh, did, did Ringo? Yeah, I remember. I, I feel like I, I remember Ringo. I think Ringo might have covered that Alone oh, really? Again. I could, I could be wrong, yeah. Um, but that was a big song. And then, of course, in the late 80s, he was the guy that pretty much like blew the roof off legally about, um, you know, rap acts sampling songs and not paying. You know, he got hit, well, hit alone again, naturally got sampled on a rap song. And mm-hmm. like he didn't he hadn't given permission. He wasn't getting paid. He wasn't getting credited. And he started the the, the lawsuit. And that kind of like really changed everything um, and and forced the issue for, you know, for people to get the credit and get paid and, and having to share publishing and, and such. Um, but anyway, he had a song that was a big hit called Claire. It was his follow. No, I think it was before Alone Again, Naturally. I can't really remember. But it's got lyrics like... Um, 
why, in spite of our age difference, do I cry each time I leave you? I feel I could die. Nothing means more to me than hearing you say, "I'm going to marry you." Will you marry me, Uncle Ray? But what he's wow. really talking about is he's talking about a three-year-old girl that has a crush on him. You know that 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 is you know part of his family, and he's just so besotted with the fact that he's got this niece and you know the the loveliness of having children. Again, uh, you are a great juror. I am taking <laughs> you every day. You are doing my job for me. <laughs> this guy really wants to have like a family experience with this three-year-old. And Kieran is like, no, he is a doting uncle. And he just thinks this three-year-old is just an amazing creature. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, I, I think that one, I mean, sure, you know, I, I mean, but he had to explain it, you know, it's, I, I didn't I wouldn't, I didn't necessarily get that from just reading the lyrics, you know, I certainly did more research. Had yeah. I got, just had the lyrics presented to me, I might've gone, Yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, Kenny found a song that was something like Keep It In The Family. That just straight up sounded like incest. Oh yeah, do you know? No, oh, I think I know about that like, I can't, It's like some Italian disco group, like Diodato or something. Yes, it, it was Diodato, yeah. Yeah, and they have a song called Keep It In The Family, and it's it's yeah. about, uh, it's like what you were writing. I, I it's like brother-sister porn. I can yes. actually tell you, because I've had a few cases, that there is something called family love. Yeah. And that's where the uh, people think it's okay to have incestuous relationships. Incest is actually a crime. I've never seen it prosecuted, um, but it is a crime. And um, I, I just can't imagine how well you do in jail when they're like, why are you in here? And you're like, because I was fucking my sister. <laughs> you were probably in PC, that's for sure. Yeah, but I'm. But, like, doesn't it depend Depend on what? That like, the sister wanted it? How hot the sister is. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> well, uh, but, I mean, and, and is that all ages or just like underage, underage? Or, so or incest, like, the actual yeah. crime itself, um, okay. when you look up the definition in New Jersey, it is through familial affinity through the first. So like your first cousin would be included second cousins third cousins probably not but that's how far it goes out interesting interesting not it's, that it's I defined any... differently in west oh. virginia it's yeah. uh <laughs> they're like it's just under the word incest they're like it's cool and there's a gif of um david caruso taking his sunglasses off in nypd blue <laughs> Well, that changes everything about all those V.C. Andrews books I read as a kid. Damn it! <laughs> but, but by the way, uh, just the fact that you that you said that this song "Keeping the Family" was from an Italian disco group. I mean, those three words right there, Italian disco group. That's like a that's the biggest red, white, and green flag I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, by the way, I found some lyrics here. I think these are fairly uh, just. This is creepy. Uh, oh, send them your heart. So they know that someone cares and their lives will be stronger and free as God has shown us by turning stones to bread. Oh, wait, no, this is just We Are the World. Never mind. This is fine. <laughs> we Are the World fine. I was going to say, is that We Are the World? <laughs> Who sang that one? Who sang that that particular uh, That's a little MJ, a little MJ special. Little MJ, uh, okay. uh, also, also uh, MJ, I don't know if he wrote it, but a singer of uh, PYT, one of my favorite songs when I was six years old. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, Pretty Young Thing. Mm -hmm. I always yeah. gave Michael the pass on that, though. It was like... He was, was telling everybody what he was doing. Yeah. He was telling everyone, like, I love these pretty young things. I mean, they weren't females, but he wasn't hiding it. Yeah. Um, and Janet and LaToya were the, were the Pretty Young Thing chorus. Were they? Say when he'd say pretty young things repeat after me, and then you'd hear a, a, a couple of of uh, women, you know, caterwauling off key. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that was Janet. <laughs> Janet I, that's a tough ask. Like I don't even like asking my siblings to like help me move something. You know, like I never right. want like, but to be like, can you guys can you guys sing back up on my on my pedophile song? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like at least they don't have to go through the six hours of makeup from when they were in the thriller video. You know, like, at least there's that. Um, well, listen, this is leading us. I wanted to save a little time to to yeah. talk about this last one. Yeah. Uh, the the grand finale, if you will. Um, yeah, this is this next song. Um, has a pretty controversial history. Uh, Into the Night by, uh, what's his name? Benny... Benny Right. Um, yeah, don't, 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 don't play it yet. Um, so this song uh, is, it, it's, all right, well, listen, maybe we should. Let's, let's play the video. We're gonna, we're, he's tried defending this song. Um, over the years. Well, let's again. give a little history of the song. Yeah, okay. 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 So the song first premiered in the spring of 1980, and it was a top 20 hit. Um, and then uh, Mardonis never had another hit ever again. He was a one-hit wonder. And then nine years later, a DJ, I want to say in Florida, read into that what you will, um, <laughs> started playing the song again and it caught on and it became a top 20 hit all over again in 1989 um so he kind of bookended the 80s having a hit with the same he's, song so he's technically a two hit wonder yes. um One and a half. but it was the same hit it was the same yeah. hit but he initially had difficulty getting this played um, and this is what I thought was so funny. So as, as we'll learn in a minute, the, the song is about he's, he's in love with a 16-year-old girl and uh, just wants to disappear with her. And radio stations, white radio stations weren't playing it because – they thought it was too creepy. Even in 1980, they were that like, "That shocks me. That this shocks is me. a bit much." Some of the things that got that were getting played. Yeah, he said, "This is." They said, "This is a bit much." Black radio stations began playing it because they thought he was black. They didn't. They weren't even paying attention to the content. So when they found out that he was white, they yanked the song. So he wasn't getting played on white or black stations. The record company had to do some damage control, and they wrote a letter that the song is actually just about showing support to somebody who is feeling alienated and isolated and letting them know they're not alone. And he he made up, or I don't know if he made it up, but the story that he went with was... Um, there was a 16-year-old girl who lived in his building, and her dad left. She, her, 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 she was being raised by a single mom with no money, and he would give her like $50 a week to walk the dog. And one day she came into the house, and his band member was there. But even the way he describes it, like I've listened to Benny be interviewed, and he was like, oh, yeah, and then she walks in with her, like, tiny skirt and her tight shirt and she's looking all adorable it's like even when he's trying to pass the buck he's kind of uh fawning over a 16 year old and then he claimed that his bandmate after she left um made a comment about how cute she was and he says to her hey she's 16 years old leave her alone and then the two of them sat down and wrote this song together that's, sure, Jay. That's his story, but um, it just sounds like classic grooming, honestly. Yeah, I was know? gonna say, how does that hold up on the stand? Like, yeah. how many times? How many times, Nick, have you heard the "I was just helping someone who is alienated and alone"? Yeah, I mean, as soon as I heard the the you know isolated and alone and alienated, that's exactly what a predator does. That's how they groom someone. Um, you know, listen. When you have a sex assault and you have a client who feels like they have to get their story across, I feel like that's the first thing I would tell them. You're not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's funny. I, I remember this song very well, you know, especially from the, the second time that it was, you know, a hit. 
and I was a teenager and, you know, and I loved the song and I listened to it all the time. And to me, I can tell you, you know, that the way that I heard it, the way that I interpreted it was he was you know, like another 16 year old. And it was like, uh, you know, they were saying, you know, she's too young to date or, you know, she's she's too young to do this. But it was weird. It was like just I, I maybe I was just like super naive. Um, you know, obviously I can listen to it now and I have, you know, for many years and going, oh, yeah, gross. Um, but, you know, it's just I, I think you kind of have to also look at like our our kids under were kids understanding that or were they looking at it were they trying to identify with it themselves and mm -hmm. maybe that's kind of why these songs got a pass back then because the audiences that they were most targeting were putting themselves in that place instead of you know and they weren't necessarily adults yeah right well listen which i guess you could make that argument and that's what the radio – that's what the record company did. They sent out thousands of these letters explaining what the song was. And then once radio stations started playing it, they bought the excuse. They started playing it. It goes all the way to number 11. Listen, it's a very uh, it's a very catchy song. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to it's, – it's definitely like an earworm. It's, it's hard yeah. to get out of your head. So it, it – it, it goes to number 11. Now you think he could have just rested on his laurels like, wow, I actually got this song on the air and uh, against all odds, people are playing it despite the subject matter and they've bought my bullshit excuse. So what he probably shouldn't do is make a video that just... <laughs> Like when it came time, you remember in the 80s, there was like, we were having this conversation the other night. There was two kinds of videos in the 80s. It was like either a literal interpretation of what the song was, the lyrics, mm -hmm. or it was like behind the scenes of their tour. Right. You know, it was just like concert footage and behind the scenes footage. All the hair metal bands had to have a, a, a touring, a tour video, like power ballad. Yeah. Um, and uh, Benny goes like he's I guess he's like left with a choice. Like, hey, what kind of video should I make? He's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to literally interpret this. Yeah. So it's hard when you watch the video. It's hard. And we're going to we're going to play the video and we'll we'll describe it. Uh, but it's hard when you watch the video to be like, oh, well, this song is about isolation. Yeah. I feel like if this was a case that was prosecutor it and i had to defend him everything you said about the song i could argue right that it's not a literal interpretation the person who wrote it is supposed to be a younger person this is all stuff that i feel like i could put forward but the one thing they you know they tell you in the very beginning is your story has to pass a laugh test this video in itself <laughs> does not pass any laugh test anywhere ever. And mm -hmm. if I had this in conjunction with his song, I would tell him, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, I also want to do want to say before we start it is, um, I don't actually think that MTV ever played this video. I mean, the song was already a year old. Yeah, because well, yeah, I was going to say, because this is 1980. No, yeah. no, no, no. But, but MTV was so desperate for product, you know, when when the channel first went on the air that they would literally play any video that they could get their hands on. And I don't believe that this video ever got played. I don't I, ever remember seeing this in rotation yeah. as as yeah. an MT, like as a little kid in the 80s who watched yeah. hours of MTV a day. Yeah. I don't ever remember seeing this. Same yeah. thing. And when, yeah, when you showed it to me a while back, I was like, wow, I've never seen this music video before. No, either have I. In fact, Nick was the one that, like, I've heard the song a million times and I've never paid attention to the lyrics. So yeah. she's been on like a yacht rock kick and she was playing this and told me what the lyrics were. And I was like, oh God, that's, so I went to YouTube just to like hear the song and I was surprised that he even made a video. Um, 
but <clears throat> let's uh, all right. Let's yeah. play it. Let's play it now. We could we could talk over it. Okay. Well, to set the scene, uh, what's his last name? I was Benny Mardonez. Benny Mardonez walking down the street. He he looks like uh, the kid that uh, sold concert ben, tickets and fast. Yeah, times. fast times at Ridgemont High. What's his name? Demo, Mike Demo, uh, Demo, Demo. Yeah. So he's 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 walking up to the front door of a house. He's knocking. And now her her Amish father is saying <laughs> not to. The first she's lyrics. 16, she's just sixteen years old. years old. Leave her alone. They and said. Benny rolls his eyes and makes faces. Yeah, the rolling the <laughs> eyes and the gestures he's making is definitely like I'm not down with what her parents want. Yeah. So he does. Um, so he gets shoot off the porch by the dad. Like you can't spend time with my sixteen year old. Yeah. And and when you're looking at Benny, who I believe was in his early thirties at this point, he certainly does not present himself at all as another 16-year-old or no. anywhere near close. No. So anything yeah. that you might be able to sort of imagine by listening to the song is completely shot to hell once you see his wrinkled visage. <laughs> <laughs> He's also wearing a sleeveless striped shirt, like a just like a secretary at happy hour. Is, yeah. is, and is, lots yeah. of eye makeup. Yeah. He my my favorite line is so he they she's just 16 years old leave her alone they said separated by fools who don't know what love is yet. Yeah. And he's talking about her parents. Yeah, so there's like a <laughs> there's a whole variety of crimes he's just committed. Like he started off small with just like a harassment, but then he went straight to stalking at the window. Mm-hmm. And now being on the phone, like there's probably going to be a restraining order soon against him. Right. Of course, she's just sitting on the phone listening to him saying. Yeah, she has said no expression whatsoever. She is completely on Thorazine through this entire. (laughs) And it makes you kind of wonder did they actually drug the actress to get her to this? Because she's barely conscious. It's like when somebody has to work with a bear. Yeah. (laughs) So, by, by the way, he's singing If I Could Fly, I'd Lift You Up. Take yes, you and, into the and, sky to show you a love that you've never seen. Yeah, because she's a virgin. She's sixteen. Yeah. She's never seen any love. Yeah, she's a child. Yeah. Do you, do you think now he he's thinks... reenacting the final scene of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? He, he is. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder for a German town in a phone booth. I wonder if he thinks he's if he's flying, then it's it's not considered crossing state lines. Well, Maybe that's what we're gonna get we're gonna get to that chip because now he he goes out and buys a carpet like a rug. Yes, sneaks into the girl's back window. Burglary. Yes, burglary. That's yes. breaking and entering. <laughs> he gets on the carpet. Now you're probably thinking it's just a regular carpet. It's not. It's a magic carpet, and him and this 16 year old girl are now flying. Cross She's the- still hypnotized. No expression whatsoever. I, I, I feel like she has like astral projected um, <laughs> because she just does not want to be there. Well, you're probably, look, Did now they're flying, they're flying over. <laughs> no. They're flying past the Statue of Liberty, which offended me. I was like, why are you going to bring Lady Liberty into this? Yeah. The statutory, the, the statutory of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. You tired, you're poor, you're underage. Um, they are now making out. He, he's now what? on a magic carpet, making Which out with a six-year-old. Yeah. Well, he's kissing her. She's again just sort of there. Yeah, she's kind of taking. Yeah. But you notice that he also has this very like lanky, thin frame. I always mm-hmm. feel like you can spot a pedophile. You can't really pick out like a murderer or drug dealer, but you can always pick out a pedophile, and he yeah. fits that bill. I wonder how prosecutable this could be like at least from a like oh, a police God. perspective be like hey look at that guy who is uh, engaged in inappropriate activity with a 16 year old girl wait which one the one on the flying carpet yeah. like i feel like it's bearing the lead like you might just be like oh well i, I feel like the the flying the carpet would be the, the biggest uh, yeah oh yeah right okay so that's a great point like on one hand what you've done is disgusting and morally reprehensible yeah. But on the other hand, like, where'd you get a flying carpet? Flying carpet. It looks like he went to a hardware store and came back with it. Right. Yeah. 
I have to be honest. I think this is something that could probably be prosecuted today. Like if he just sang this song and did that video, I could see I could see a prosecutor out there wanting to to prosecute it. I mean, there's a whole slew of crimes in there. Um, but, you know, luring, you know, that luring and kidnapping. I mean, think back to those cases, the songs we were talking about earlier, where it's just like, get in my car. Like, he was clearly over the turnpike. He was in New Jersey and New York with her. So that's state lines. That's a kidnapping. Now Mm -hmm. you've got to deal with, you know, the federal authorities. He probably went from Pennsylvania because the father was Amish. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) They're They're coming from central PA right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, something else that I, that I was just thinking about is, you know, from very shortly after this song was a hit, you know, within a couple few years, you had the PRMC or the PMRC, which was the, the group of mothers that were led by Tipper Gore, Tipper Gore yeah. who were trying to shut down, you know, um, music uh you know certain songs because they felt that it it would they were i don't know immoral or they you know the language and and, you know their whole thing wound up causing that explicit lyric um you know sticker that that wound up being parental parental advisor yeah and i think back on what they called the filthy 15 which were the 15 songs that they were citing in this legal case and none of them were songs like this. It was stuff like Sugar Walls. Yeah. You know, um, but nothing that talked about anything that was actually could be construed as a real crime. Yeah, that's interesting. They were like more angry about heavy metal and, and Twisted yeah. Sister and thinking and that like they were. And like keeping their kids in line yep. rather yeah. than well, being mean, an actual crime. It's like, yeah. That was, you know. To up to parents, rock and roll was you know that was the affront to them, right? That was offensive. I don't think. Here's the thing: I've sang that song, that Benny Mardonia song. I've sang that for years. I don't think I ever paid attention to it until recently. Mm-hmm. But I mean, oh, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." That's another song I've sang for years until people started saying it was offensive. It's just something that rolled off of your tongue. Yeah. I never really thought about it, but it just, you know, um, when you talk about like D. Snyder, when you talk about like that era with Tipper Gore, they were offended by the look and what, what you know, what they were promoting. Um, but that just goes to show like how much we're paying attention to what our kids are listening to. Yeah. Yeah. Like that would have been my filthy 15 would have been into the night. Just and I just would have written that fifteen times. Fifteen times. Well, that yeah. and, and well, any I mean, Michael the, Jackson song. Yeah, that Motley Crue song that I that I you know referenced yeah. earlier. I mean, Motley Crue was gigantic when when the Tipper Gord thing was going on. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I just you know, it it just it it's really interesting to think about what they were considering as problematic back then, as opposed to what really was. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of this was just hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think back to, you know, all of the singers who got permission from the parents. Right. I mean, like we said before, Steven Tyler had a like, but, you know, but then I think, about okay, so Steven Tyler, when he was in his 20s, was dating a 13 year old girl and got her permission. This is how wild. This is, I think, how wildly out of touch some of these older rock stars are because it's just how they came up in the 70s, so it, it, it wasn't fucked up to them. Steven Tyler wrote about having a love affair with a 13-year-old girl like pretty recently in his memoirs. Like Within the last few years, the girl actually just sued him for like you know, like bringing her back into the, into the, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it's like a criminal or civil thing, but um, he, like, he's just openly talking about this. Like, again, like within the last few years, her parents, you know, just handed her over and uh, she claims that he made her get an abortion. You know, he knocked her up. He made her get an abortion. He got her hooked on drugs. Um, but, you know, to him, it was like, hey, she was a willing participant, you know, and, and it was consensual. And 
her parents signed off. And how do you mean her parents signed off? I like mean, her parent, like he, I don't know, like he had their permission. Like, did he have like the the parental rights or whatever, like custodial? Yeah, I don't. So I don't know if he, I don't think you're meaning that literally, right? I I like, don't know. I'm actually not. I'm actually not entirely sure if it was because I think with Nugent, I think he literally adopted like, the girl. Yes, like that's, yes, he yes. Did. yeah. I will tell you, just from a legal standpoint, you you can't even if the parents have are... a gentleman's agreement that you know between a father and a man, like you can have my daughter. Um, mm. I sadly have seen that. Where the father's like, I don't want this to go forward um, because I did talk to him. Um, you just you can't. Okay. Here I'm well, sorry. Nick, at, at I'm this sorry. point, <laughs> at this point, Nick, what would this woman be able to sue him for? Would it be for revealing who she was, and and that be a civil trial? Would the statute of limitations be up for her? You know, if she was trying to criminally, you know, get him prosecuted for statutory rape, does she still, you know, in this year, would she still be able to do that? I think I, it would be a hard. I found it. I found oh, you did? it. Yeah. It would be a hard sell to prosecute at this point. So he was dating a 14-year-old girl. He was 27 at the time. Her parents signed over uh What's custody? That? Custody. Yeah, right. I guess custody. custody. They, he legally had an arrangement with the parents so he can take her across state lines. He wanted her to live with him in Boston. So, uh, all right. So this is now from December 29th, uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, he, Steven Tyler officially named in sexual assault of a minor lawsuit from decades old claim. So the suit accuses the Aerosmith singer of sexual assault, sexual battery, intentional infliction of emotional distress. The lawsuit was filed following California legislation that temporarily waived statute of limitations for childhood sexual abuse allegations. Yeah, so. wasn't um, the Marilyn Manson, what, I can't remember her name. Evan Rachel Wood. Yeah, wasn't she responsible for getting that lifted, the statute of limitations? Oh, yeah, maybe. I feel like that documentary that they talked about where she was trying to talk about going after Marilyn Manson. Yeah. That was the one thing she was able to accomplish was just have them lift this statutory the statute of limitations so he he dated her from 14 to 17 she ends up hooked on drugs pregnant abortion and um where's the civil suit against your parents yeah well i yeah that's a good question it said he was named among several other people so i wonder The she she alleges that Tyler convinced her mom to grant her guardianship over her when she was sixteen, which consequently allowed him to live with her and engage in a sexual relationship. But but which is oh allowed him not legally allowed him like it yeah there's there's fifty there's fifty defendants named. Wow, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, you can you can do, you know. When you're that age, you can think you know what you want, but it's your parents' responsibility to be able, to, you know, to, to have to say, look, you know, I'm responsible for you until you're 18. And, and you know, you may want this. You may think you're mature enough to handle it. But, you know, I, I, you know when you're 18, you can make your own decisions, yeah. you know. And, I, you know, and obviously that absolutely extends to, you know, whomever is put in the position of, you know, corrupting, you know, those minors, you know, they should, of course, there are bad people everywhere. Um, but, you know, I, I, and I'm not excusing that. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's just anybody who has a, a minor come to them and say, you know, blah, 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 I know what I want. I'm this, that, and the other. It's, well, I mean, you know, there are, there are laws in place for a reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, um, but for me, it's I always feel like I don't know. I, I I love the songs, and I you know I try not to take them literally, but I do understand that 
you know, they are influential. Um, it's just weird. I mean, like we all talk about how we listen to these songs and it didn't really dawn on us. It yeah. didn't, you know, we didn't really think about it. So I don't know, maybe that was the way we were raised, you know, and, and, you know, we, we were raised not to really necessarily like think like that, or, you know, we were naive or we were intelligent enough to sort of like be able to separate that. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. I, I just, I still listen to a lot of those songs. I, I, you know, I don't make excuses for them, but you know, to me, a, a great song is a great song. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, doesn't yeah. mean that I'm going to go off and try and find a 15 year old and, um, you know, and corrupt them. Um, but, you know, I know that's not necessarily everybody's thing. Yeah. Am I, am I talking myself into a hole? I'm just trying to sort of defend <laughs> that I love the music. I'm not. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with you. Listen, some of these yeah. songs absolutely uh, still slap. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, R. Kelly still has some really good songs, despite the fact that he's in jail. Um, yeah. A lot of those songs are catchy. I right. remember when they found when they found him guilty. It was my youngest daughter's birthday party, and we went to a roller skating rink, and it mm -hmm. was nothing but R. Kelly and Michael yeah. Jackson. Yeah. And I, I was like, "This is so fitting at a kid's yeah. birthday party." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I just can I tell you guys the funniest tweet? So you know Lizzo's gotten in all this trouble. Oh yeah. right. So I saw a tweet that refers to her as our belly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and on that oh, note, oh boy. Karen, thank you so much. Uh, oh, you're welcome. It was welcome. uh it's so great seeing you again. Thank it's, you. You it's guys been, too. It's been I'm too long. Great to meet you, Nick. Thanks. This was fun. Well, this was fun. Yeah, I would ask if you have anything to promote, but we're yeah. You have nothing to promote. No. Karen, what about you? Do you have anything going on people should know about? I mean, I have a few things that are going on under the radar, um, you know, that are that are moving along, but uh, nothing to speak of publicly. All right. Um, I'll tell you about it when we get off. Chip? Um, just, I got a couple things coming up in the, if you're in the Philadelphia area and the suburbs in Westchester and Souderton coming up, you can check that out on my socials, just at Chip Chantry. I'm, at, I'm on Blue Sky now on social media trying to make a go over there we'll see how that goes if that happens but yeah and just uh just a reminder from a legal standpoint i know i'm not the lawyer but just you know make sure you verify somebody's age and also make sure you get your magic carpets registered with the state of well, New i was York. gonna ask can i take a magic carpet <laughs> to the philadelphia yeah. i don't think i don't think that i don't think that was that was road legal I, uh, you I, know what i was yeah like you probably need a permit right like you can't at, just at least yeah, yeah. at least yeah. 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 yeah so you can tack that on to all his I, yeah i don't think that yeah. qualifies as a vehicle yeah <laughs> um all right you can see me um oh at a sunshine city comedy club october 20th and 21st in uh saint pete's beach in tampa very excited and um, I'm recording a new stand-up album Wednesday, right. December 27th at uh, Stress Factory uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey. You can go to stressfactory.com for tickets. And uh, Chip, Karen, it was so great seeing you guys. Feels yeah. feels like we got the band back together. I was just going to say, it's great to get the band back together. Yeah, let's do it again soon. Yes. Yeah. And uh, next week I will be debuting my new song, she was a 38-year-old secretary named Linda. <laughs> I just want to make it very clear. Very clear. We'll see you next week. Great, uh, great scene, everybody. Mm -hmm.